sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 169 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. And I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. This podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. This episode is part of our ongoing series focused on advice engagement, which is a fast-growing category on the Keatsis Ezra Group Advisor Tech Map, which you can find at Keatsis.com. I had a great conversation with today's guest, Adam Holt, founder and CEO of AssetMap. Adam built the first version of AssetMap back in 2013 for his own planning firm, as he was frustrated that the long research-backed reports he was preparing for client meetings didn't seem to engage them or provide any clarity. He saw a need for an easy-to-understand overview of clients' assets, liabilities, expenses, and income that was all on a single page. So he built this tool for himself, and once other advisors saw it, they wanted it too. And so an innovative software company was born, and his financial planning business became the software's first success story as it grew by 300% revenue in three years and reached nearly a billion in assets in just under a decade. Today, AssetMap is one of the most popular apps in our industry and used by thousands of advisors, both in the U.S. and even globally. Adam and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, Here's a little trivia. Adam and I both went to Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And speaking of successful advisor tech, if you are a fintech executive with software that you're selling to RIAs, broker-dealers, asset managers, TAMPs, or other firms, then you should run, not walk, to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com and fill out the get in touch form on the homepage. Our wealth tech experts can deliver a wide range of advice, including competitive analysis, new product evaluations, market insights, and strategic advice, information on client buying decisions, and even integration development services. Every vendor needs these things to be successful, especially when entering new markets. You can get on the right track by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. A quick housekeeping note before we continue, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Now, let's kick this thing off. I'm excited to introduce our next guest on the program. It is founder and CEO of AssetMap, Adam Holt. Craig, how you doing? Great to see you. Man, it's great to see you. I'm glad you could make it. I know you're super busy running around. Just came back from the great New York City. Now you're back in Philadelphia. That's true. All in one day. Impressive. Quite impressive. You drove right by my house again. Didn't stop by. I did. Well, you know, you didn't see me waving when I drove by. Did you see me? I wasn't looking out the window at that moment. <laughs> Should have let me know. Should have. And uh, all right. So let's just jump right into this. So uh, this podcast, we're going to be talking about advice engagement. What does yes. it mean? What is it for? How is it changing? And why is it relevant? But before we get into that, can you please... Give us a 30-second elevator pitch for AssetMap. Only 30 seconds? Okay, sure. You've got, that's it. I can only give you 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, well, I use, I'll use half of it just messing around. You know, AssetMap is a, a visualization tool for financial advisors, a SaaS platform, and advisors use it to literally map out the entirety of uh, the financial decisions that people, their clients have made in order to engage around advice conversations and make better decisions. So we're really, we really are at the forefront of advice engagement, so I'm excited to have this time with you. It seemed like a, a something that'd be really relevant, and it's something we, we talk about a lot. I, I work on the uh, advisor tech map, Keatsis.com. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can find that. I call it the Keatsis Ezra map. And Michael and I work on it. We just had our call this morning, in fact, for the December map, where we review new vendors that are coming in, adjust categories, and move things around. Uh, and one of the categories that was, I think, added this year was advice mm-hmm. engagement, mm-hmm. and. 
it didn't exist before because there was there was no really where to put these these different companies. And it's kind of like mis- the miscellaneous category. Do you agree? Yeah. So what, what can you explain what your in your opinion, what is the advice engagement category? Well, I remember this conversation back and forth with Kitsis and also with you. So first, I have to thank you because you know that map uh, is used by so many of us. We call it the placemat at this point because it just looks like a Chuck E. Cheese uh, drawing, right? Practically like a maze. We should put coupons uh, on it. Because you can cut that's it not a bad idea. Hmm. Or QR codes that'll get you discounts. You just you have no place to fit it because the darn map is so big now. That's the problem. But it's true, you know. We advice engagement has is a little bit innocuous. It's not very clear to advisors. It doesn't fit in the normal vernacular of CRM planning portfolio, right? But we do know there's been a lot of tools that have popped up. I think the way that that I think advisors can best understand this is. Most of us in the field, and I'm a recovering financial professional as well, right? So I, I say I'm a finan- recovering financial planner. We've created tools in our own practices that really served our practices or our customer experience or ease of doing business that was unique, didn't really exist in another product. So we built processes and unique experiences that were kind of uh, unique to our experience, our, our, our firm. And some of us have actually created tools around this. We've figured out ways to scale it and they either uh, they either get well absorbed by the community or they don't. Uh, so the, the question I think for advice engagement, if you look at many of the tools that are in the category now, most of them are from professionals who built a solution for themselves and other advisors said, hey, I have the same problem. This is how I engage with my clients. No one ever solved this problem. Maybe this will facilitate what we call advice engagement today. Well, you called it. What did you call it? I think that was a great thing. I called it the junk drawer of advisor tech. <laughs> I don't know whether that's disparaging or not, but I don't want I have to a... think that they shouldn't think that because lots of useful things are in the junk drawer, scissors, totally. and tape and stamps and keys or things we need. We just don't know where to put them. Well, you so, actually, the funny thing, the junk drawer is you use it probably more than any other drawer, maybe except the silverware. Mm-hmm. Right. But as an analogy exactly. goes, I think it's fantastic because exactly. it's it's generally disorganized as it is currently because it's a growing category. And I think that's that's what's happening. And this is what happens on the map. If you look at specialized planning started mm-hmm. out as sort of a junk drawer, where you just threw a couple of different things that didn't okay. fit under the financial planning category because they didn't do what an e-money, money gay pro, right capital did. They were they were specialized. It did just one thing. We didn't know where yeah. to put them. So we 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 uh, and now the the specialized planning category has three, six, eight subcategories. So it's as the market grows and as uh, vendors pop up, a lot of them are, as you mentioned, advisors who start a company and come up with an idea for software and then launch yeah. it, like Holista Plan in, in tax, uh, their advisors who started it, uh, and others. And so I imagine advice engagement at some point might split into two. If yeah. a couple of vendors start doing the same types of things, but looking at the vendors in this space, we've got Asinap, of course, your company, mm-hmm. FP yeah. Alpha, FP Fat Pathfinder, VisiWealth, Lumiant, Advice Systems, and Bento Engine. Two, mm-hmm. four, six, seven companies that all do really different things. Very different. Very different. And it's funny, you know, that you mentioned specialized planning because we this year we're actually really excited because we won our third wealthy in a row, which is best specialty planning app. And it was each one was for a different functionality uh, that we delivered. One was about disability. One was about property casualty. And most recently was about our AI signals, completely different solutions. And I think for us, it's been a challenge because 
In 2021, we were the highest rated financial planning tool, according to T3. That, where, how, did, how did that happen? Because they didn't know what category to put in. We had such great user reviews. And, and right now, uh, according to G2, we're the top financial wellness tool in the whole country. So I think that the interesting challenge is that this, these new categories are almost amoebas, right? They're tools that tried to bridge the gaps that the current tools didn't completely solve. And so you I think you know when you look at some of them they're they're 2% CRM, 3% financial planning, 15% engagement. They're really amoebas that that kind of fit between these other known categories. And that's where I think there's a challenge this but I think advisors need to wake up because these are these are solutions that address I think the ADHD in the room. Like this this is the the fact is is that most of the advisors we know are not using a lot of the tools that they have on their person. We're seeing 20 to 40% adoption of financial planning. They're using 10% of the CRM capability and they're happy with that. That's fine. They're not using workflows. Uh, they're not using collaboration. They've, they've not even hooked up a lot of the integrations that you know that you've done a lot of work on. So we're, we're really seeing an underutilization of the tools that are already established in there. And so it's it makes space for us to come in and say, listen, I, you you only want to do two percent of what the CRM does. Okay, we'll we'll cover the part that that you really use really well, and that's where I think these specialty apps are going to make a big big uh, I think dent in the current ecosystem of fintech. You told me that junk drawer was derogatory. You calling them amoebas now? That's not amoebas. Good. Amoebas, right? They're Advisors. amorphous. Yeah, we fit between a bunch of other tools, and I think you've done this great work at Ezra on integration mapping, trying to figure out who's actually integrated with each other and who has the capacity to do it. And I think that's going to really be a big uh, make it or break it for a lot of the advice engagement tools. And of course, next gen tools that are coming out is can they integrate with your existing ecosystem? It does it really matter that I only use 10% of my CRM? If I'm happy paying for that functionality, that's fine. But I don't know that I can afford to not have my new tools integrate with that process just because I need to have efficiency wherever I can find it. That's very common. The ten to twenty percent number of feature utilization, you know, what parts of the application they're using. Hearing ten to twenty percent is is uh, is very common, and that's just the way it is. I think it's across the board, uh, not anything specific. And I, th I think there is some benefit to using more of the app if you need it. Some some advisors don't need more of those features, so they're probably overpaying for what they're using. Yeah, that's true. Is that, isn't that true, though, with every technology? I mean, if I look at my my television has the capacity for a thousand channels. I watch three channels. My iPhone can basically put a lunar a, a spaceship in, in lunar orbit, but I basically use it for text message and telephone. And <laughs> so I think, the you know, we, we all value technology differently. It's an interesting segue. But I, I think that where we're seeing and we'll continue to see more innovation is where People are going to solve problems that are in between problems. And I think, uh, you know, that's where I think we're going to see a lot of growth. And we need a junk drawer to put it in. And that's what we're calling advice engagement. I wrote an article. I was interviewed by Investors Business Daily about advisors starting their own software companies. Mm. And what, I, what, I, what advice I have for them. And my advice was don't do it. It's, <laughs> You know, now it doesn't mean we. It's it's helpful because obviously we wouldn't have a lot of the cool products we have now. But in general, it's very few advisors who have software ideas actually can build a successful software company. Because as you know, as a successful software entrepreneur, it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. And yeah. the idea itself 
is 1% of the business. Everything else is execution, marketing, sales, support, grinding it out, you know, putting in the years of effort to, to deliver. Mm-hmm. So while I would, I would encourage, you know, we, I love more innovation in our industry. I would just say in general, advisors who think I got a great idea for software, most likely it's not that great an idea. And you're probably not going to be able to build it yourself and, and launch it as a product. Yeah, that's unfortunately true. Where were you, you know, 10 years ago when I decided to do this? I mean, granted at the time I was, uh, I didn't have children. It was, uh, I could mm-hmm. take risk. I used all my own capital. So I w- mm-hmm. didn't have to apologize to anybody. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, I was in a unique situation to do that. But you're right. I, that that execution is critical. And that's why you need to have skilled people. I think looking back just for the, because you brought it up. What I realized I didn't have and where I wasted enormous amount of money and time is I just didn't have the skill set and I didn't have the people who knew the, the market. So I had to I had to muscle through it mm-hmm. as many entrepreneurs can relate because it just I just had to keep throwing capital and time uh on it because I didn't I didn't know what I didn't know. And that was now I can kind of look back and say, well, I wish I knew that. But that maybe is the journey of being an entrepreneur. Uh, and I've been trying to help a lot of other companies get through this so that they, I don't know, they can learn from at least what experience I had. That's really fun for me. Back to advice and the advice engagement product yeah. category. Why is it relevant? So it's interesting because there is a thread besides being in the junk drawer that, that I think joins all of these. I mentioned one of them, which was the fact that there's a lot of holes in our typical practice management experience, especially as it relates to client-facing side. I think we've done a pretty good job as an industry solving the back office, you know, from open opening accounts to uh, CRM workflows to portals. I think we've done a lot of the practice management stuff where we really have been lame is in the customer-facing advisor uh, we'll call it, I, I tend to call it advice engagement, but lifting the advisor's capacity to deliver their own intelligence or what I call advisor intelligence in real time. And that AI or reframing of the AI is really rare. We've used financial planning for years almost as a sales enablement tool. Think about it this way. I come to you, I use financial planning to justify why you need to ch- make some changes. I've got mathematical evidence by this 90-page booklet that I made for you and 15 hours of work and research. And ultimately it tells you that you should uh, allow me to manage your money. (laughs) Okay. That's the conclusion is that I'm going to manage this better than you because I know what I'm doing. I've done the research and, and let's be honest, financial planning was a big part of the sales enablement process for investment advisors and even insurance and banking and all of us. And uh, you see this huge movement towards financial planning, right? We think that that's actually changed and it's, and we're already starting to see that is that, what really matters is for the human advisor to build more relationship, show more empathy, be proactive, bring ideas to the table that the client didn't think to ask, show that they're on their team in a leadership way, even if it's about topics that they don't actually monetize. Like, for example, an investment advisor bringing a tax advisor into the conversation, say, we're going to have a conversation about tax. Or we're going to talk about insurances, or we're going to talk. About, we're going to have a banking professional in our meeting. We're going to actually facilitate a holistic conversation. So when we talk about advice engagement, here's the thread: all the companies that you mentioned all help the advisor deliver more contextual advice and guidance to the client in different ways. Here's my example: Asset Map, as you already know, builds this visualization, fully interactive, and it becomes a framework to discuss holistically, all the stuff you're doing today and whether it makes sense. 
It enables the advisor to ask the question, does this make sense? Should we do this, more of this, less of this? Should we have 10 IRAs? Should we have this insurance and trust? Should we do this, not do this? It forces that conversation I just mentioned. Bento, as an example, completely different. It allows the advisor to scale out systematic conversations that are relevant to mostly time events and says, hey, we should be thinking about this. Do you know how happy I am when my accountant says, hey, I've been thinking about this idea. It's contextual to you. You got to take advantage. I appreciate that. But does it happen? It doesn't happen. So I can go off on a tirade about it, but all of that's that's a theme, Craig, that, that I think it was actually really smart to put all those companies in that category because they actually address how do you elevate the advice delivery, not the tech. Let's talk about the different types of advice engagement. You had mentioned four different subcategories of advice engagement. Want me to remind you? Yeah, remind me. Facilitating conversations. Yeah. Contextual insights into the family. Well, that's what right. you just mentioned, but the client. Yeah, those are the first two I just mentioned. Yeah. Right. And then educational and financial literacy. Yeah. And then empowering, uh, how to empower consumer to value the financial advisor relationship. Yeah. Beyond just performance and planning. Exactly. Okay. So, th so thanks. I'm glad you reminded me of that because the, the interesting thing about what some of the other companies in this space are doing is I think we're going to be in an interesting environment as tech becomes more ubiquitous, right? Consumers are asking for more guidance. It's going to be incumbent upon the financial professional to do just more than to take care of the financial house. We have to engage and empower the consumer through literacy. In other words, we need to help our clients get healthier around their decision-making. Because it turns out, as Dan Crosby always says, and I think he's repeated this a hundred times on the behavioral health side, it's what you actually do. It's the action you take when you're not with your advisor. Advisor can only manage the money per se and maybe look at the product solution set you're purchasing for efficiency and appropriateness or maybe tax. But at the end of the day, it's the behaviors. And so the question is, can we educate our customers and accrue value with our customers by educating them. And that means when there's complex decisions to make, where there's a high cost of being wrong, we give them the confidence by educating them why we're making a recommendation. And here's the decision you should make when I'm not in the room, okay? Either call me or start making these behavioral decisions, save, reduce tax, et cetera, et cetera, okay? We've done a pretty poor job as an industry educating our clients as to behaviors that they should take. And I think advice engagement can do things like this. I've seen, like, for example, Visit Wealth is creating uh, educational frameworks. Here's how this structure works. Here's why it matters. Do you now understand it? Now let's move forward and take action. So literacy is important. But the fourth thing that was brought up is really, I think, is really super important. And there's a reason. And it's because what's changing in the environment is that we all know with technology, and, and you've talked about this and written about this before, Robo-advice, when it first came out, was a threat because, well, it was a threat. But then everybody kind of got over it because they said, well, yeah, no, the human is really more important. And then robo-evolved again, and basically robo-basically was being used by financial advisor. I think robo 4.0 is going to be seriously uh, impactful. Robo 4.0 is going to take all the learnings of how you engage and how you execute, okay, the practice management side, and they're going to now layer on contextual, relevant, timely advice directly to the consumer. And the advisor is going to be saying to themselves, wait a minute, that's what I do. 
And because technology can scale very cheaply, I think it's going to put a lot of margin pressure on 1% advisory fee management that has, you know, okay, the same financial planning, but is not delivering proactive advice, reaching out to their clients saying, hey, we should bring in the tax advisor. So I'm trying to push everybody to wake up to this effect that if they want to be relevant in the next five years, maybe as little as two, to the fact that direct-to-consumer technology is going to disintermediate the average advisor who's literally just getting by on asset management and financial planning once every two years. That's not going to cut it. I, and I really think that we need to wake up and deliver more value. And that's what this category is going to do for advisors. It's going to help them deliver more contextual advice and deliver, you know, and, and justify why we're paid what we're paid. So this category could be seen as even more important than almost any other category in the map. I said that to Kitsis just six months ago. Mm -hmm. I said, look at your advice engagement is the future of human delivered advice. Because remember, we're going to techify everything. If I want to compete with the robo, don't lead with robo. Don't lead with tech. Don't say my tech stack is better than yours. This is all commodity today. Come on. I cost you something. You run your practice. It's like saying your forklift is better than my forklift. Okay, it's a factory. Can I get my product, the right product to the client? Can I deliver a customer experience that they value, appreciate, and want to refer? Right. It's all going to be about the human interaction because the tech is going to feel the same. I, if somebody tells me again that a, a portal makes a difference, a dashboard makes a difference, I'm going to throw up. Like, please stop it. The clients log in the first time, they never log in, log in again. That's not the differentiating factor of why they stay with you. It's relationship. It's empathy. It's these people know my family. They've been with me for X number of years. That's what's keeping people with advisors. And we're going to have to double down on that. Uh, another consultant that I uh, greatly respect her, uh, is Kristen Schmidt from RIA Oasis. Sure. And one of the things she says is uh, a client portal is not the client experience. It's just one <laughs> aspect of it. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> and she's right. And right. So just putting out a portal doesn't mean they're going to use it. It's not the whole of the experience. You really need to think about holistically what your client interaction is, what your relationship is to your clients. Now, granted, if if you have a bank, you know, if, if the only interaction you have with your bank personally is the banking app that's on your phone, then actually the portal is the bank, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just using them to, that's how the door, how I execute the, the simple commodity tasks that I want to do. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about something much deeper, it's, it's just a doorway to a house that's got a whole bunch of stuff in it. That's much more valuable, uh, I think, to the humans in the room. How is the advice engagement sector changing besides the, the whether you want to change, right? You, the, clearly what you mentioned is true. Well, let me, let me roll back to that. So you've talked about where we're going with Robo 4.0. Advisors mm -hmm. need to keep moving up the value chain, as I put it, where Robo, the first Robo advisors didn't do a whole lot, but it was enough to say like, well, I'm not paying you for that. The same thing I can get mm -hmm. a betterment or wealth from. You need to keep doing more. And that's that was one wave. Then we'll have another wave. And it'll just keep pushing advisors. The advisors who are doing the bare minimum will fall away. They'll retire. They'll get pushed out of the business or they'll have to decide we've got to do more. Mm -hmm. So you see that we're, we're changing. Where, where else? What are the other changes you expect in the advice engagement category? That's a good question. You know, I, one of the things I would tell you that I'm seeing is because we now have clients all over the world using asset map and in, in multiple currencies and so forth. And we're seeing the same general trend, which is a lot of organizations, not always investment management, but inclusive of banks, credit unions, insurance brokers, 
property and casualty brokers, CPAs, all want to migrate into the advisory space. Why? Great margins, great lifetime value of the client because they tend to be long-term sticky. And of course, there's great cross-selling of multiple services over time. So we all know that when those professionals who lead with advice have much greater lifetime value of the customer than those that just lead with sales or a specific singular line of business. So there's no surprise globally why how many, we'll call them typically product sales or solution sales, are moving into the advisory space, which means everybody's a financial advisor. And it's funny because I think Michael actually mentioned that when he talked about advisor, 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 right? These different terms that associate with what's your role. And so my point in saying this is that there is generally a movement towards leading with advice over leading with typical sales. That's happening. Financial planning seemed the most obvious of tools to justify that I am in fact an advisor. See, look at this model I did around your goals, which were what? Retirement planning? Okay, that's that's like the tip of the iceberg. Where you're seeing really true, quote unquote, financial advisors, I would even argue financial coaches going, is going much deeper. What we tend to say holistic, not this buzzword, what the heck does that mean? Holistic means they're looking at legal, tax, insurance, and investment implications of or decisions that you've made in your life. Do they serve you? Does this make sense? They go for intentionality of decisions and they review much more than once a year. That has really been dominated by, I think, the fee-based financial planning. But now if you're going to say that you're really an advisor, we're going to see, I think we're going to see mass market movement to how they can deliver more humanity advice. The challenge is going to be, Craig, as we can all figure out, is that we're going to see technology that can do a lot of this as well, because they're just going to model the actions that an advisor should or could take and workflow it. And consumers are happy to get a text message that says, hey, maybe you should increase your Roth contribution because we see that your income is raised because we aggregated your funds. And oh, wow, my own advisor never even calls and tells me that. My tax accountant tells me that after it's too late and I can't even do it. because it... So when you think about it, technology is actually has a great capacity to answer questions that advisors have really fallen down on and gotten by on relationship because eh, client trusts me anyway. So if you ask me really what I think is going to happen with advice engagement, we're going to see more tools that allow the advisor to lift the deeper meaning. Lumiant is an interesting example of that. I think Elements is also, even though put in the financial planning category, I think these things that try to start to get to the real psychographic reason for why we're making decisions, I think they're going to gain a lot of steam because I think we need to know the meaning of money and why is really going to be important. So values uh, and of course, values-based investing, we know is, is getting more and more steam. I think it, you'll see more technology around this. So the one thing that I... Um like to say is that uh, Michael Keats just did a presentation comparing the advisors of today to travel agents pre-internet. <laughs> I remember that. And then when the internet came, it didn't put all of the travel agents out of business. It just put about three quarters of them out of business. But That's a quarter right. of them stayed in business and thrived. And I think right. this does show that the average revenue of travel agents of the ones who survived went up by 4x. So they captured all the other revenue that all the other travel agents had. Yes. And he was pre he was predicting the same thing would happen to advisors that as technology kept improving, and 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 people got used to trusting the technology for advice, that they would just stick with it, and um, they would be less and less inclined to be paying a human to do it when they can get it for much cheaper and quicker and twenty four seven from an algorithm. 
Yeah. Well, they have accessibility too. Think about all the financial planning tools that most advisors have, right? Okay. So we have a portal, but the client doesn't really understand what's behind there. doesn't want to mess with it. In most cases, a consumer that's hired a financial advisor has already said, they've, they put a line in the sand. They said, I don't want to do this. I want to delegate it. Okay. Don't give me homework. Don't give me things to think about. I'm paying you in a good amount to go do this. But I think where we've fallen down is now consumers are more empowered than any ever before to do stuff, right? And have it delivered, okay, <laughs> immediately. And we don't have patience. So I think what you're going to see coming out in the, in the category, and we're working on it as well, is how do we empower the consumer enough so that they feel like they're part of it and can contribute, participate? This is not a completely delegated uh, experience. In other words, your health should not be delegated to your doctor. It's a doctor's fault. Your health should be worked with a doctor as an advocate to help you make better behavioral decisions so that you have a healthier life long-term, right? Isn't that the point? But that's not how we use it. It's not how we use attorneys. It's not how we use accountants. And it's clearly not how we're using advisors. Mm -hmm. Consumers have delegated the responsibility to the advisor and hope mm -hmm. they do better than me. They make better decisions than me. Turns out that's actually backwards. And unfortunately, because we haven't helped people with literacy, they're disempowered constantly. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a next generation that's, that is definitely showing that they want to be involved and it's whether it's money or why. And they're saying, don't, don't keep us out of the story. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to create wealth and security. And I think they're pushing everybody, at least on the tech side, to wake up to the fact that we're not going to be able to get by with what we got back with the, with the boomers for years, which was just, eh, I trust Joe. I've been with Joe for 40 years. And that was good enough, <laughs> right? There's a great book called What Got You Here Won't, yeah, won't get, you. get You There. Yeah, you're right. So some of the things. That works in every industry. I mean, I, you and I come from opposite backgrounds. You you were a financial advisor. I, I, I have a degree in computer science. I was a programmer. Mm. network engineers i came I, I come at this from the technology point of view and also i use all the channels on my tv you do yes i use all thousand channels and my phone just launched a lunar satellite so i'm, I'm the <laughs> while we were sitting here <laughs> while we were sitting here my iphone just it's iphone 14 you didn't know it's new features oh that's why i only it's have a the lunar satellite app yeah so it, 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 well, i already launched it so nice. yeah. great and so uh, Running out of time. So another, th another thing, giving it, if I can give advice, we work with a lot of fintech firms. Half our yeah. clients are, are wealth management, um, enterprise wealth managers. The other half are fintechs. And one thing we see with a lot of fintechs is feature bloat. They become, they think they feel they've got to be a Swiss army knife, like that gigantic, really fat one that doesn't fit in your pocket anymore because it's got a spoon, yeah. knife, and a, you know, a, yeah. a, a lettuce twirler. And so how do how do a firms, yeah, uh, how do firms avoid? the feature bloat and really focus on just, you know, the specialized area that they need. It's hard. Le learn to say no. That's my mantra. No, just say no. But that that's a, that's a learned skill in many ways, because very often when you're driving, uh, you're, if you're, if you're leading a product, like I was for the most part, uh, before now I have a whole team that just does it. Um, you tend to get excited about the next shiny object. You know, oh, I could solve that problem too, right? Or I could solve that. Oh, wait, just a little tweak. We can do that too. But then you're right. The, the value proposition gets lost. And now the, the you're right. It's a great analogy. I, I used to have one of those huge Swiss Army knives, but I didn't want to carry it. It was too heavy and bulky. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I kept the small one, the one that had just the knife and the scissor, right? So the point is, is that that's, we've done that with Asimap. I mean, we, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't know, and because we need to do a better job on the marketing side of telling people that we're, we're quote unquote, just the household visualization, right? But it's just a map. We're like, yeah, that's what you think until you use it. And then I can show you, I can layer what your peers are doing, like Netflix can do on top of what you're doing to show you what's missing. Oh yeah. And I can give you instant AI feedback, red light, green light, yellow light that you wouldn't be able to handle these events. Oh, I could do financial planning in 30 seconds on one page that would take you literally hours to replicate a full cash flow. So we focused on speed, speed mm -hmm. to engagement. So I can spend more time talking about what we're going to do as opposed to why, why? Okay. Or what the math says. And, and that's, I think the key for our, what we call a simple, rich design, make it simple enough that I can do it fast, but rich enough that it doesn't make me look like Fisher price, right? Rich in the, the depth of it. So I can you know, converse on it. And I think that's what we're really focusing on, Craig, is how do we enable a better advice intelligence conversation so advisor just looks like a rock star because they get the opportunity to show how much they bring to the table. And I think that's really the key down the line is we have to prove our human worth versus our tech process worth. Because if we compete with technology, we will lose. If you compete with humanity, you will win, but you got to be intentional about it. And that's what we're looking to do. That should be your new company tagline. Asimap, we make advisors look like rock stars. Nice. <laughs> if they want to be a rock star. If you want it could be own. indie pop, it could be hip hop. I mean, it could be lots of kind of stars. Of course, alternative. So we, we are now out of time. Where can advisors and others find out more about Asimap? Well, easy enough. They could just Google it. But asset-map.com or asset-map.com is the best place to go. If it's something you haven't seen, you have to you schedule them because the coolest stuff we brought out, a little bit of scope creep, but it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. You heard it here first. Adam, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for hosting, buddy. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. The advice engagement category started out as a kind of miscellaneous group of applications that didn't fit anywhere else on the map, but it's starting to coalesce into a more cohesive group that offers ways for advisors to better connect with their clients and to fill gaps in the practice management experience. Number two, some of the types of advisor, some of the types of advice engagement applications include those that facilitate conversations, those that offer contextual insights into a household, but the clients didn't think to ask those questions themselves, those that are educational and financial literacy driven, and finally, those that empower consumers to value the financial advisor relationship deeper than just performance and planning. And the third takeaway, the advice engagement category is going to continue to expand uh, to serve those entering the advisory space from outside, such as banks, credit unions, insurance, property and casualty brokers, CPAs, and others who see the advisory business as an attractive either addition to their service or alternative. And that's it. You've reached the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Please go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and subscribe to our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, analysis, links, updates. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you all again next time.